Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years we are presented by FantasyPoints.com. Use that code FEAST, all caps, so that you can go against me and Joe Dolan in our next Best Ball 10 draft. I love fantasy football. I love Best Ball 10s. And I love going against listeners or viewers on our new YouTube page, YouTube.com slash NFL like you. I'm not going to say I'm the greatest fantasy player of all time. But I'm also not going to not say that, okay? So that's all I'm going to say right there. He's Matt Waldman. He's the star of the show. He's the man with the plan and all the breakdowns. You got to check him out on Twitter, at Matt Waldman, like I do. The rookie scouting portfolio is a thing of absolute beauty. And you can get it, mattwaldmanrsp.com, mattwaldmanrsp.com. You guys know the affinity I have for Dane Brugler as well. I've had multiple people tell me that teams buy Dane Brugler's guide and Matt Waldman's guide. And we've got Matt. Matt, I saw you had some type of update or something you posted recently on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I basically, you know, I come out with a newsletter every uh, every month from June through December that's a part of that package. And so I was just letting people know that, those of you who subscribe to the RSP newsletter, it'll be coming out um, actually uh, and within the next 10 to 14 days. So that's that was pretty much the, the announcement that I had from there. I love it. I love it. I also love – so we're going to dive into running backs today, Matt. And people, if you missed it, we had a whole series where we went over every single draft pick and Matt gave you his thoughts. We did quarterbacks last week. Next week we'll do wide receivers. Today, though – it is running backs. And I don't know why, Matt, I've always, in my mind, and maybe you told me this, or maybe this is like from five years ago at this point, I've always felt like running backs were your greatest strength, your greatest area of expertise. Did I make that up in my head, or is that kind of how you started? I don't know. It's just kind of what I've heard feedback from a lot of people, is that they tend to they tend to really like the running back um, work that I do, and I'd say I'd agree with them that I have affinity for it. I just love the position, actually. So it's I think that's part of it, and 
And, you know, I've had a pretty good track record with guys. You absolutely have. Let's get into this year's running backs. And it's interesting because there are some really big names out there that have had outstanding years. Travis Etienne from Clemson, Chubba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. Let's start with Etienne, uh, the Clemson star. I still don't really understand and I'm surprised if I'm being honest, Matt that he stayed in school for another year. Yeah, I was pretty surprised about that, too, because, I mean, you know, this this guy was 5'10", 200 pounds. He's a breakaway threat. You know, maybe it's because he thinks he has potential to add a little more muscle, maybe become a little bit more of a, a guy that's guaranteed to be a lead runner in the NFL or at least maybe get that physical body type to do that. But even at 5'10", 200, you know, he doesn't look like he has a frame that's going to gain another 15, 20 pounds. He's probably going to be somewhere between 205, 210. And that means he's more of a committee back or possibly a featured back who runs gap play or from spread. And then can they use him from shotgun and pistol and base sets. And despite the fact that maybe he lacks that great size, though, for the position, he breaks a lot of arm tackles. He pushes through contact. He's a momentum-based runner. He's the type of guy that you give him a runway downhill, and he's going to be difficult to, to knock down without wrapping him up fully and holding on. He's got decent contact balance. He'll work through those indirect hits by linebackers. And, and when he reaches the secondary, obviously, he's got the afterburners, you know. And and he reads blocks and anticipates penetration pretty well. Um, but I think that if you want him to be an all-around back where he's going to run both gap and zone, you want to see a little bit more patience with him setting up blocks off tackle or on edge runs like outside zone and toss and counter where he had some struggles maybe diagnosing when to cut back inside those plays and and really about reading some of his keys. Um, but overall, he displays a lot of promise, um, and I think he's a guy that, you know, as long as he works on his footwork as a pass protector, works on reading some of the keys on outside runs, he has a chance to be one of the top backs coming off the board next year. What about the aforementioned Hubbard from Oklahoma State who was in the news this offseason after, you know, Mike Gundy and everything that happened there? Uh, it appears they patched that up. What do you see from Hubbard as a player? You know, sometimes the first time you watch a guy, you, you can have a, an impression that's different than what you see in subsequent viewings. And my first impression of Hubbard wasn't really strong. And then after watching him more, he's really grown on me because, um, you know, 6'1", 207, great speed. The Oklahoma State runs a lot of lead draw and a lot of edge plays to get him on the perimeter. And so I had some concerns initially about his skills between the tackles because there was just a tendency to bounce plays maybe one gap further than he needed to or not really setting up the linebackers as well as he could as he got to the, you know, close to the edge, but not necessarily there yet. But I've seen enough of his work inside, some of his willingness to read blocks and find cutback lanes, that he, he doesn't actually take as many chances as ETN um, in a way that he's a little bit more mature at times. So I've become a little bit more optimistic the more I've seen him. He's not a powerful runner who wins, you know, collisions. You know, he's more of a guy that's going to get that great pad level, and he has excellent pad level. I mean, that back's almost flat sometimes when he hits creases, and that really guarantees him opportunities to get a push, to be able to work through reaches and contact. He finds ways to fit through those tight creases because he has really nice feet. I mean, the ability to not only just make some of those dynamic cuts, but 
some of those smaller footwork maneuvers to be able to anticipate penetration and then find solutions that bounce inside or outside. And I think he picks his way through traffic well. His cut blocking needs a little um, better consistency. He kind of keeps his head up, doesn't always have his head up. And so as a result of that, he doesn't always see who he's hitting. Um, So you want to see him get a little better as a pass protector, but he's a good receiver. I think he's a guy that you put him in a gap scheme or or a scheme that runs a lot of gap and some outside zone. He can be a a, a pretty darn good runner for you, at least as I think as a lead back or or a very solid contributor of 10 to 12 touches a game at least. What about another running back that was in the news from a social justice standpoint this offseason? It seemed like there were a few of them. We mentioned Hubbard. How about Kylan Hill uh, from Mississippi State, who had also uh, mentioned he had concerns with the Mississippi State flag, et cetera, uh, but he's arguably the best player in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's that guy in that 5'11", 215-pound range, kind of that sweet spot of dimensions that I like a lot for backs, and I think a lot of people do. He he can push a pile. He can break tackles. He has that low center of gravity of bounce-off hits from linemen and linebackers and that arrive from kind of, you know, glancing shots with him where if they don't wrap up, he's go- he's going to keep going. And he has the burst to reach the secondary both, you know, on plays between the tackles and on the edge. And he has that, he plays with an edge, kind of that that ability to throw his body around where he's just kind of on the line between being reckless, but it's generally more aggressive and, and within just enough control to earn big ga- bigger gains as a finisher. He's a really strong finisher as a result of that. Even though he doesn't, I don't think he has that extra gear to pull away, maybe for the NFL. In college, you see him break away. But I think that he gets run down a little bit more often against, you know, top athletes. Um, despite the fact that he's got an aggressive streak, I think he's very careful with the football. He's only had one fumble in 473 touches thus far. So that's really good for the college level. And, you know, he has some plays where maybe he tries a little too hard, second or third efforts to try and bounce some plays outside when he sees a crease that maybe he should have took the play as designed but he sees that opportunity, wants to try a little bit harder, and he ends up losing yards. But coupled with that and some footwork issues, I think he's at his best between the tackles, not trying to do too much. And as a receiver, he tracks the ball over his head. He's a good player. Um, I think he has a chance to raise his profile some. I don't know if he's you know uh, a first-day or second-day pick necessarily, but I think he's one of those guys that if an NFL team gets him in the third or fourth round, they'll they'll tell you that they had a good grade on him and that they were happy with him as, as a potential contributor. All right, Matt, now we're getting into what I'm going to call Ross's row here. All right, it's like fraternity row, Ross's row. The next three guys I know pretty well. I, I've either called their games or met them or whatever, and it's just interesting Matt, just to peel back the curtain a little bit, always sends me a list of guys, the position that we want to make sure we hit. And you have them right here in order. Journey Brown, Najee Harris, Jarrett Patterson. I know all three of these guys pretty well for various reasons. Let's start with Journey Brown. Matt, I mentioned Dane Brugler earlier in the show. I think it's interesting that the Athletics College draft guy had Journey Brown as the number one ranked running back coming into the season. And so what I can tell you about him and just some background that 
Uh, you probably don't know Matt. I don't even think Dane knows, but just I live in Pennsylvania. I follow Penn State football. So first of all, he's from Meadville, Pennsylvania, which is absolutely middle of nowhere. And he was very, very lightly recruited, which is bizarre because he broke the state record in the 100 meters. Leroy Burrell, like Olympic gold medal, Leroy Burrell. Journey Brown beat his time in the 100 with a 10-4-3 and won back-to-back state championships. Uh, but I think there might have been, I don't know, Matt, if there was academic issues or what, but or just because he was from such a small town. But he didn't, he wasn't a national recruit, he didn't have a lot of those scholarships. And when you watched his high school highlight video, you could kind of tell why it was like he just was faster than everybody else, but you didn't really see a lot of wiggle, you didn't really see a lot of power. It was such a small comfort that he would kind of like take the ball and run all the way around the outside like you do in seventh grade, and you can score touchdowns that way. It was it was kind of funny to watch. He was extremely raw, which is why what Penn State's done with him the last few years. I mean, the first year, he redshirted. Then the next year, he really just returned kicks. It wasn't until this past year, his third year, where they actually gave him some touches, and they didn't even really give him the lion's share of the touches Till the last five or six games, he was in a four-man rotation with Ricky Slade and a couple of true freshmen and Devin Ford and Noah Kane, who were both pretty good. But what jumps out to me about him is he's gotten so much better. And what is crazy, Matt, for a guy that ran a 10-4-3 in, in 100, his, you might be most impressed by his power. I mean, he has runs where he knocks over three dudes or he carries a guy like six yards. Like he has rare power. We talked about the speed. I really think he's still, and you study him more than I do. I really think he's still kind of figuring out how to be a runner, like where, where to go and how to have a feel. But in terms of physical ability between the power, the balance and the speed, I mean, he's off the charts, off the charts. Yeah, he's one of the most fascinating backs in this class because, like you said, like I didn't know his track background yet. I just watched the tape first, so I haven't really looked back into his background yet. But what the first thing I thought was, this is a guy who's got like the legs of a defensive end and the upper body of a wide receiver. Like he's still filling in to his frame. And when you see that, and he's 216 pounds, at least that's what he's listed as. And you're looking at the legs of like a 240 pounder and you're looking at the upper body of a 200 pounder. And I'm going, kind of makes sense if he's that weight. He's a long strider, kind of a gliding back who covers more ground than you might expect if you didn't know about his track background um, until he bounces outside. And then you see the speed like very apparent when he gets into the secondary and he just starts blowing away defensive backs. But like you said, strong enough to pull through reaches and wraps against box defenders. Um, He doesn't lose significant speed with that stride when he gets through contact either, which is what really kind of blows me away about him. Um, And he has soft hands. I think he works through traffic with pretty good pacing and footwork right now. Just you can see that what he knows how to do, he has, I think he processes what he sees pretty well for a guy who's still developing um, and he has that skill that, that that the really good backs have, like guys like Adrian Peterson, 
Ryan Matthews was a great back out of Fresno State. He didn't put it together as well as he might have been able to in the NFL, and some of that I know had to do with work, you know, the willingness to do the work in the offseason. Um, Matt Forte was a terrific back. All three of those guys, once they got to the second level, they could plant their foot in the ground against a linebacker or a safety and just completely change the access of pursuit that that the defense had, and they're off for another 40 or 50 yards. And Journey Brown has that skill. Um, he can turn a 15-yard gain to a 75-yard play. And he reminds me, I think, of what people expected out of Tevin Coleman, out of De- Darren McFadden, um, as guys who I think were hit or miss with as outside zone runners um, and better suited as gap players in the NFL. I think this is a guy that can become a competent zone guy. He has the the feet and the pad level to make the transition that neither of those guys really had. Like they drop the pads, their head goes down, they get hit, they hit the ground. Um, Journey Brown, man, the way he runs, it's almost like he's got that bend and lean that's so good. And like I say, he's just got to grow into his frame, which is just crazy that he's this good. And he still looks like someone who's kind of grown into his paws. He could be 225, 230 by the time he finishes school, I think, and and be and still have that speed. I'm really fascinated with him. Yeah, I should mention, by the way, I actually talked to Penn State head coach James Franklin today on the Ross Tucker football podcast, and we talked about journey brown and he talked about his journey you know where he's gone from kind of being a track guy to now being a football guy so encourage you to listen to that or check it out at youtube.com slash ross tucker nfl speaking by the way of penn state and pennsylvania the state where i reside it happens to be one of the states where you can bet legally on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, which is awesome. It's the number one rated sportsbook app for a reason. And they've got a return to baseball promotion going on right now that you're going to want to know about. Here's the deal. Before the baseball season starts, place a bet of at least $25 on who will be crowned the champion, and they'll give you a $25 free bet to use on opening day. Why not? Put 25 bucks on the Phillies, of course, or wherever you want, and then they will give you a free $25. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Disclaimer voice coming. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Let's get with it, Matt, as it relates to the next running back, Najee Harris. Now, let me tell you what I know about Najee, okay? I I called the U.S. Army Bowl when he was a senior, and he was the number one ranked running back in the country, one of the top players in the country from California. Really, really impressive physically. I mean, in high school, his body, he he looked like Steven Jackson. You know, he was like 6'3", 230 in high school, 
and just looked the part. It was interesting. He was a unique kid. When we interviewed him, it, it was it was a unique interaction. I don't know if he didn't like all the attention or the limelight, uh, was unaccustomed to it or uncomfortable with it. So I didn't talk to him very long, but I can tell you, boy, he, I mean, he's one of those guys, almost like Nick Chubb, when I always say, Matt, how impressive Nick Chubb was physically, so was Najee Harris in a different way. You know, Chubb was kind of short and just rocked up. Najee Harris had more of the Steven Jackson thing going. What do you think of the Alabama runner? You know, it's interesting because he's a, you know, obviously that big back, you know, really a collision runner capable of doing that, but he also has good footwork and someone who can make multiple guys miss. He can layer moves and in a way that Carlos Hyde early in his career for San Francisco had some showed a lot early on in his career. And while he's become a little bit more of a journeyman in his career, there's some things about his frame, his size, his footwork, the ability to kind of, bounce outside and have that initial quickness that reminds me a lot of Hyde. The difference is, is that Najee Harris is a terrific receiver in a way that we didn't really, we haven't really seen from Hyde on that level. I mean, you watch Harris against LSU last year and there's a play with Patrick Queen covering him up the sideline on a, on a wheel route where Burrow throws it back shoulder. And he looks like a flanker out there, literally jumping back to the ball High pointing it, dragging his feet with and using one hand to ward off Queen after the catch, and the other to snatch it and pull it in near the boundary as he drags his feet inside the cone for the touchdown. I mean, and this is out of a, a big guy that you don't expect to be able to do that. He doesn't have blazing speed. So the fact that he's just even with Patrick Queen was impressive enough. Um, but he's a guy that's quick enough, I think, to get into the hole, to be able to avoid penetration. He can run over you. You better wrap him up and hit him um, when when it's come, when it comes time to have an interaction with him or he's going to take you for a ride or just leave you on the ground. Um, but I think he's a guy that, you know, the biggest thing he has to work on, I think, is just, um, you know, blocking. I mean, you know, you're going to ask him to run the ball a lot, but if you want him to be a full-time guy and he can certainly catch the ball well enough, it, when you need him to block, sometimes, you know, misses some assignments. You see him drop his head a little bit too much in every block. If I were if I were a, a, a coach at Alabama, I'd probably see if I could pull him aside and have about three different defensive players. And every time he gets ready for an interaction, I'd blow that whistle every time he drops his head. Just, I mean, I would probably work on him just trying to keep his head up and see what he's hitting. If he can do that, I think he can be a really good back in the NFL. Um, maybe not a speedster, but certainly someone that can um, do a lot of good, dirty work for you. The next guy, and this is this will be the end of uh, Ross's row, if you will, of guys that I'm very familiar with. That is Jarrett Patterson from University of Buffalo. You know, I did their game, one of their games a couple of years ago. They played Akron in 2018. That was his true freshman season. Boy, he was impressive. I mean, first of all, he's got a twin brother. He was starting at running back, or at least playing a lot. His twin brother, James, was starting at linebacker. And so they both were starting as true freshmen, which is very hard to do. And Jarrett just jumped out with his explosiveness, had over 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns as a true freshman. And then last year, he just went off. 
I mean, best season by a, a player in school history, 1,800 yards, 19 touchdowns, both school records. And so now he's going into his true junior year, and all he's done, Matt, is produce. Yeah, man, he's a patient runner, and and he's good inside and outside. He might be one of the more refined runners in this class already in terms of just vision processing, understanding his keys, different blocking schemes that he can um, work through. He's a pretty good short yardage player. He's built low to the ground. He's the type of guy, again, he's not a collision runner, but he understands pre-snap box counts and where to go when he has that freedom to pick a side or to be able to you know kind of figure out immediately post snap what's happening in terms of penetration and, and do something about it very quick and rangy with his lateral cuts accelerates really well to the outside um and he's strong enough to work through wraps of bigger defenders and pull them forward kind of like um you know deandre swift was able to do that i think he bounces off hard hits pretty darn well with that low center of gravity he kind of fits somewhere between a range between Giovanni Bernard and D'Angelo Williams for me. I mean, those are the kind of – that's the neighborhood backs that he fits into talent-wise, dimension-wise. Can't wait to see more of them this year. So this doesn't happen very often, Matt, but uh, I guess that's what happens when you're recruiting as well as they are at Oklahoma. You actually have a couple of Oklahoma running backs on this list. I did an Oklahoma game last year against – uh, Houston, the opener, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks. Which one of these guys do you like better, Matt, or do you think is the better prospect? I want to hear about both of them, but I'm curious as to which guy you think is better or the better prospect. Well, you know, Kennedy Brooks took over for Sermon and kind of they were split in time. And then now we got Sermon heading over to Ohio State, taking over for Master Teague, who has the Achilles right. there. So so with Brooks, you know, it's interesting because he's a smooth runner. He breaks arm tackles. He pushes piles, but he's not a collision runner either. Kind of like um, Najee Harris, who's a collision runner. He's not that, but he has that starter speed and acceleration. He's got upside to develop that that vision between the tackles with a little more refinement to how he he just kind of reads blocking schemes and, his, and gets his footwork together. His footwork's borderline excellent. He just has to understand what he sees well enough so that he can kind of link what his eyes and feet can do. Um, he's an effective stand-up block who can work across formation efficiently. And I think he knows when to punch or hit his assignment based on the, on the timing of the moment. But I got to tell you, I know that people like Kennedy Brooks better and maybe I just need to see more of him. And that's, and I think that's probably going to be the case, but I really like Trey Sermon and I just think he's a better prospect right now and was kind of, surprised that that he kind of got usurped there maybe it's because he doesn't have the high-end speed that brooks has and and certainly in the college game look man you hit you get into that secondary and and can go like that you're going to get more opportunities like that in the college game but listen trey sermon's got that he's got that size he's an excellent blocker picks up blitzes all sorts of um blitzes that you know whether it's you know um you know, linebackers coming in in different um, directions with cross blitzes, or it's an or it's edge plays. Uh, you know, coming from nickel blitzes or safety blitzes that are delayed. He's very good at being able to get tight in there and and get the you know eliminate the air between his chest and the defender and be able to drive that defender out and deliver the hit. And then as a, a runner, he's powerful. He's quick enough. 
he has that curvy linear movement, kind of like the ability to to bend around like a motorcycle going through cones, you know, and he can do that. He can weave through traffic, but he also has the cutting ability, um, terrific stiff arm. I mean, like he, he can plant that thing and not only be able to like get good location on defensive backs and linebackers, but I've seen him do throw buys on, on defensive pursuing defensive linemen, you know, and be able to throw by, throw those guys by like at Oklahoma state, Oklahoma State defensive lineman to do that. Um, I think at Ohio State's going to be a terrific fit for him and what he does well. Um, and I think he's going to really raise his draft profile. And they were disappointed to lose him. I mean, Lincoln Riley wasn't exactly – he just said – I think he got frustrated because he got hurt. He had a knee injury, and Kennedy Brooks took over. And he had really great three years here, and, and we're sad to see him go. And I think that this was just one of those opportunities for him that – he can really raise his profile because he's going to get a lot of touches with Master Teague dealing with that Achilles injury. Yeah, you know what? I forgot that I just seen that a couple of weeks ago that Sermon had transferred to Ohio State as a grad transfer. Uh, makes sense. Ohio State's pretty darn good. You get to play with Justin Fields. Uh, you know, they lost J.K. Dobbins. So I, I get it. I understand. What about another Trey? Trey, is it Ragus? I think so. Yeah, and From he's Louisiana. You you love. I feel like you love like smaller school running backs like this. <laughs> I do, but it's what it is. Is just that when you watch a guy like I did last year, and you see him against Alabama, and he's 5'10", 218, and he's just running through Alabama in a way that you don't expect from a guy at Louisiana, and he's taking it to them. Um, he's with strength, contact, balance. You know against indirect angles of pursuit he bounces off guys he can be a collision runner when he needs to be um i don't know about his long speed but he has the acceleration quickness and power to to be an nfl starter um and his decision making and processing of blocks is also pretty strong so if he can show a little more on passing downs i think he can emerge as an as a, a promising nfl contributor or starter i think his draft stocks can go up this year Last guy I want to get your thoughts on is from Virginia Tech, and that is uh, Khalil Herbert. Or I guess he was at uh, Virginia. Where's he? He was at KU, and now he's at at West Virginia. Can't keep track of these guys. Yeah, yeah, they jump around. But he's a five nine, two hundred and five pound speedster. I think he might actually be quicker than he is fast, but he can definitely um, get into the secondary and pull away. Um, which just speaks a lot about his acceleration still. He had three years at Kansas, um, transferred to West Virginia this year. And and listen, he pulls through arm tackles. He bounces off those glancing shots. He has that momentum-generated power I've talked about with a lot of backs here. He's only fumbled once in 346 touches um, during his career. He has really good decision-making, both with gap and zone schemes. Um, and I'd like him even more if, he didn't rely so much on jump stops and jump cuts because, kind you know, you look at a guy like Kenyon Drake early in his career at Miami, and he relied on that stuff a lot. And what happens is you're inefficient um, when it comes to high traffic runs. And when you can be more efficient, keep your feet on the ground a little bit more, um, you can you can make changes of direction a little bit faster and maximize that acceleration that you have. And that's what Herbert has. So for at his size, he's he's also a promising blocker. Good usage with his hands, delivers a shot. Has to learn to roll through his hips a little bit, but he's one of those players that I think could have a lot to gain with a strong season. Um, and a lot to gain means going from maybe being an undrafted guy to being a, a fourth or fifth round guy. 
Everybody listening has a lot to gain by getting the rookie scouting portfolio at mattwaldmanrsp.com. As a reminder, you can always check out Matt. He always looks awesome on the show on YouTube. I even had, we even got a YouTube comment, Matt, where somebody said, you're right, Matt does look chill as blank. (laughs) (laughs) YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And as we said, make sure you check out what James Franklin had to say on the Ross Tucker football podcast as well today, because he talked about Journey Brown and Micah Parsons, who a lot of people talk about as a projected top five pick. Next week, we will get into the wide receivers with Matt. Really looking forward to that. There's a bunch of good ones again this year. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.